Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, we have on Dr. David Lenahan. David is a medical school dean and a health technology entrepreneur. He's also the CEO of Tiber Health, which is a technology company that's focused on innovating medical school education and helping the doctor shortage, the global doctor shortage, that is. And uh, I got to know David. He is a guy on a mission. But the thing that I just loved about him is that they're doing some practical solutions in education to get the global pipeline of what would probably be this best described as like marginal, you know, marginalized communities not being able to get into medical school. Him taking a look at this and knowing uh, how to get them in that pipeline. So uh, don't let the doctor, um, you know, title fool you. This guy is deeply concerned about education and he's doing something about it. So I loved it, loved it, loved it. Last thing is uh, 2019 has been a heck of a run and I've really appreciated it. And we've grown dramatically because A, uh, it just means the world to me when you share these episodes that has caused so much growth. And two, we're able to find guests like Dr. Linehan because we get people recommending uh, and then get introductions to great guests like this via email uh, and sometimes phone call. So I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. All right, so let's get right to it. Dr. David Linehan. All right, now I'm excited to have on Dr. David Linehan. David, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Don. Thanks a lot. I'm really excited to be on. I started to really research some of the things you're doing, and we're kindred spirits uh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, just the – so my full disclosure, my wife is, is in medical. She's she's a nurse practitioner on the OBGYN side. Oh, and, very good. And they've been – and that's been on their mind. We've got kind of a, a doctor shortage going on, and we've got – you know, um, there's there's some interesting problems coming up in medicine. But yeah. I have not seen anybody really start taking a look at the pipeline of talent the way you have. And so obviously, I want to start there. Um, tell everybody uh, about, uh, was that Tiber Health and some of the things you're doing to really help out the education medical pipeline? Yeah, so it's not only a shortage. The, the lack of healthcare workers in the U.S. is what I would classify as an epidemic. And it's it's getting worse as minute by minute as we talk in this podcast. There's more healthcare workers that are retiring than graduating, and the population's growing. And it's really becoming a, 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 a major cross point. The other problem, and there's two more problems. The other problem is the cost of medical education and health education has skyrocketed to the point where it took me 20 years to pay off my student loans and. I was actually speaking with a doctor. My mom fell and broke her hip uh, a few weeks ago, and I was speaking to her doctor, and he's talking about being into his 70s until he pays off his student loans. So we have to figure out a way to drive these costs down. And the, the third thing is we need to significantly increase the diversity within the healthcare workforce. And how do we get, not necessarily talking about race, but how do we get socioeconomic classes? How do we get people from different socioeconomic strata into the healthcare workforce? Because it's that group that tend to relate well with their patient base. So I kind of left the, the academic side and moved a little bit into the venture world, raised some money, and we developed this platform where we can go out and identify talent that we think are going to become good doctors. And I think as we go through this, we'll explain how we go about doing that. 
and get them ready to enter into the healthcare profession. So kind of imagine you're a student, you're graduating university, you're not sure what to do. You come to me and what we like to say is we actually employ the smart underemployed. We're going out there for all these kids that are really smart. We're giving them an opportunity to show that they can get a good job in healthcare and make a difference in their community. So when they come onto our platform, we give them an iPad. It has all the lectures, it has all the exams, everything on it. And we work through this curriculum. So the students watch the lectures. It's not an online course, this is not online. We still have, you have to come to class and work through it. But we work through clinical problems over and over and over again and, and relate it to the lectures that they learn. But the real secret sauce in there is we have a nice analytic machine. So we can start predicting how these students are going to do if they go into medical school, if they go into nursing, if they go into podiatry, pharmacy, wherever they go. So we can bring students in and start stratifying them into where they should probably go in the healthcare sector without them incurring massive costs. And we can take students from all demographics, socioeconomic demographics, and bring them in. And what I found, this is, Don, this is to me the most exciting thing. What I found is a lot of the kids that don't get into medical school because something happened freshman year in college, they got a couple seeds, are actually going to become great doctors. And the way we run the system now, these, these individuals are overlooked. And I'm, I'll give you an example. You're a student, your mom and dad are maybe making 25,000 a year. You're going to an inner city school and you don't have all the resources that my son has. And so you, you get good grades in high school, you get a good SAT score, you go to college and you're in the same class as my son who went to a private school, had all the opportunities. My son's taken calculus, chemistry and biology before, he gets A's. This one individual that, that went to that inner city school just as smart as my son, but didn't take these courses, get C's. You get three C's your freshman year, you're never getting into medical school. Game's up. We give these individuals a second chance to prove themselves. For me, I'm lucky I didn't grow up in this era because at freshman year, I was interested in girls and running around. And I would have, I would have never made it in, in, in today's world. Yeah. But now, but now we're able to give these students an extra chance. And they're the ones who are going to be the great doctors of tomorrow. And it's about giving them the chance. And that's well, what I'm and, excited about. And I am too, because it also doesn't just weed out just, I mean, I mean look, and, I, and I'm not trying to be mean here, but sometimes <laughs> we, hear this, uh, we hear this complaint about bedside manner. Sometimes yeah. just the straight A students aren't necessarily the most empathetic. They're not the ones that, that they understand you. So like, I, I love this. One, because I'm a champion of those C and D students everywhere. Not that, <laughs> not that, although I'll be, to be perfectly honest with you, I've had a heart procedure and, and I've had some weird medical things in my background. I, if I knew that my, my surgeon was a D student, maybe I'd be a little skeptical. Right. I don't know. But I, I, I like the fact that you guys are onboarding some non-traditionals because they're going to be doctors and healthcare providers for non-traditional people. And here's the thing. It's, it's not, it's, you, you need the four O's. You need the kids that get the good grades. They're going to go to the, to the schools and, and do the cardiothoracic surgeries. That, that we, we absolutely need that in society. I'm not talking about getting rid of that. But what we're also learning is that a large portion of our reimbursements into the health system are based on things that are important. 
patient satisfaction, how well you interact with that patient. How often does the patient listen to what you say? 5% to 10% of how the hospitals get reimbursed is based on these real important metrics. Decades ago, we never looked at these things. Now we're starting to say, hey, the patient's important. How the patient responds to care, how the patient interacts with the doctor is just as important for that primary care world, that emergency room care, the pediatric care. And what we're saying is that these, these physicians we're choosing that have that socioeconomic understanding. If, if your mom and dad only make $20,000 a year, you're not eating vegetables and, and, and fruit every day. You need to understand that when you're communicating with that patient base. And so we're able to get doctors that have that understanding and get them into communities like that. That improves the overall healthcare because they're able to work with that patient and understand where their life's from. And that's about helping the people of tomorrow or helping the people today get better tomorrow. Well, and it just, uh, I, man, it, it's, it's good to hear, but let's, let's dig deep into the special sauce of how you can identify these yeah. great candidates. And, and I, I assuming that's where some of the really hard work begins, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's I, when I, when I describe it to people, it sounds like it's this linear road to success. And I, I have to just preference that it wasn't, I mean, this is a multi-year failure after failure after failure process. And when I, when I started, I was Dean of a medical school in New York called Toro, which is in Harlem. And it's a fabulous school. In fact, I think it's one of the best organizations in the U S for training healthcare workers. And when we got there, we weren't doing very well in the board scores and, and you know, a lot of student dissatisfaction. And so we kind of changed the way the curriculum was delivered. And what happened was, and I, I actually can remember this quite clearly, I was given a lecture on the blood supply to the brain. And I had, everyone came to my class. The class before me had 10 students. The class after me was like biochemistry was 10 students. But everyone comes to my class because I was, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, a great guy. Everyone comes and listens to me. And I listened to this, le- I gave this lecture on the blood supply and you got three vessels that supply blood to the brain. And at the end of the class, I said, all right, here's a patient who had a stroke. Which vessel got damaged, the front, middle, or back? And I had given them some symptoms. And I made up a fourth answer. So front, middle, back, and a made-up answer. And we had a little student response system. And I got 25% on all answers which means the students had no idea what that answer was. They, they didn't know any of this. So for two hours, I talked about this. And the, and the real kind of sad thing about this, Don, is they're all going to see this patient when they go do their clinicals in the next year. So I got mad. And I'm like, guys, this is it. You got five minutes to figure this out. I'm going to ask you again. It's 5% of your final grade. Well, the great thing about medical students is they like points. So when they found out it was 5% of the grade, they all went and figured it out. 80% of all strokes happened in the middle. So if you don't know, you guess this. And within five minutes, everyone got the answer, answer correct, right? So I leave the classroom. I thought, all right, there's only two explanations here. One, the 150 kids in this class are too stupid to understand that Cambridge and University of Edinburgh educated man like me. They're just a bunch of dummies. Maybe, but the real answer is, and this is a really tough thing for a teacher to get his head around or her head around. What if I suck? What if I'm not a very good teacher? I'm entertaining. I get teacher of the year awards and I'm fun. But what if I'm not connecting and teaching these students? <laughs> and that, that's really the, that's the rationalization I had to come to. So what I yeah. did was 
I, I completely kind of quote flipped the classroom where I just took a tape recorder, I recorded my lecture and I just worked through problems moving forward. And that was the genesis of this whole system. And this was before I realized there was like a $5 billion industry out there of people trying to work on education. But as we moved through this process, I started collecting lots and lots and lots of data. And we were able to start predicting how students would do on national boards. And so by asking students questions over and over and over again, I collected enough data where I could build this machine learning model to predict board scores. And once I was able to do that, you know, a lot of things changed. We were able to adapt a curriculum, personalize it for the individual. I was able to track students. And when students started deviating off their expected marks, I would call them in my office and I'd say, hey, Don, you know, you're a B plus student. Now you're a C plus student. What's going on? And nine times out of 10, the student says, I got drunk. I had to let off some steam and the test was too hard. But one time out of 10, the student would say, hey, my mom's sick. I'm being abused by my husband. Something was about to get in the way of their, of their life. And so we were able to step in and help. So these analytic models allowed us to predict outcomes, identify where students would likely be good doctors. And the most important thing is we were then able to change our admission cycle so that we could start taking students that none of the other schools were taking because we had a better analytic and risk tolerance model. And that's when the whole system changed where I'm taking students the, the Yales and the Stanfords aren't taking and my students are doing just as well on the boards. And that's, that, that, that's the key thing. Yeah, I know. I love hearing that one because instead of it, you know, being this high stakes thing, you're like, you, you have some understanding and you're like, okay, this is why. So let's, let's go back over it. Um, but the the only thing that I will say might scare some people is, is that we now are, are you know, there, there's so many, and by the way, I think a lot of them are really darn accurate. Like sometimes they're personality tests, sometimes they're, you know, they, they kind of measure um, some intangibles kind of thing. And, and, and they do a decent job of like really calling, I, I think it was, uh, I think uh, Brendan Bouchard even yep. had something on his website and is like, you know, great habits. And so I took it and then the things that spit out of I'm good at, I'm like, yep. And then the things that sped that I really lacked and I'm like, that is really accurate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, ah, oh. but I appreciated it because, you know, I, I need yeah. to hear it conversely. Um, and, oh, it's, I feel so bad. I, I forget the name of it. We had a, a podcast about five months ago. There is a, um, a private school in Ohio that's doing this, basically this teacher effectiveness feedback that they're that they're collecting data from students and and they even said they're like it's been kind of hard for some of the teachers to like look at the data or even them yeah. willing to to want to take it because you're like you know sometimes it is me um it, 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 <laughs> but it's like i don't it's kind but, of small but, here, but, but but here's the most that that's entirely true it, it is a tough thing to hear but here's what I say to the faculty, because I get this all the time when I speak and faculty are saying, oh, you can't take that. You got to take some of that with a grain of salt. Here's the real thing. These are some of the smartest kids on the planet. And I tell the faculty, if you're not bringing your A game, if you're not delivering the goods to these students, you shouldn't be teaching them, especially in medical school. And it's a very hard, it's a very hard conversation to have. No, it's a very difficult one, but it's important right. for you and your kids. It's yes. right. 
Well, it's I, important for us. I, uh, without getting myself in trouble, I, I remember <laughs> <laughs> when when my children were starting to get to the age, because and I'm not again, I'm not throwing stones here, but there was a couple of less than good teachers I I taught with back way back, and right. um, I remember all of a sudden I was thinking, what if Ava had you? And, uh, you know, what if Anna had, um, right. and then it, it and it's cause like it, it's their, it literally is your future. And so if your a game isn't on it, then maybe you should reconsider. And I, and I always hesitate to say, cause most teachers I know have their heart in the right place, but you know, the data also needs to, you know, you need to look at your own data as well and see if you're effective. So I, I love hearing that. The only thing that sometimes does scare me is being devil's advocate here is yeah. that sometimes I see too much dependency and not this is not the case for education normally but so too much dependency on that machine learning algorithm of this must be you so you know don't choose this area or you're not going to be suited for this because our data points to you sucking. right um, so so here, here's how you here's yeah that that's a, actually an extremely good point and we do make mistakes and the machine learning and the analytics don't always work so here's here's how it actually works. Or, in or sometimes they work in different ways. I mean, right. And I'm not trying to go all sportsy on you, but Larry Bird <laughs> didn't look like an athlete, right? I all right. So you're you're from Indiana. But you know, I would have gone with Michael Jordan myself. But no, I well, he got a call possible anyway. Uh, but no, I mean, like sometimes he he didn't behave like an athlete. He didn't look like an athlete. But he's so I sometimes I just fear that some of the the data that spit out is like by by no means should this person be allowed to do X Y and Z when it is their passion. And of course, sometimes I juxtapose that to. Uh, hands the God, I've never seen a full season of uh, what was that? Uh, American Idol. Like the guy's like, music is my dream and I'll make it happen. And then they sing bad. And, and then, like, that, who's that? Simon Cow is like, oh, please, yeah, yeah. please never sing again. And you're That's like, right. you're like, okay, the data's out. You suck. Uh, so, there, you well, know, there's, there's a little bit of both. No, but so here's, here's how it works it's by about, and this is really the good thing about the algorithm is by about three months into their medical school career. I'm able to predict what their board score is going to be 18 months later. And so what I tell the student is I go, look, if you want to do uh, dermatology is kind of the most difficult thing to get into. It's the most competitive or ophthalmology. And I go, Don, I know you want to do that, but it looks like you're probably not going to get the score on the step in two years time. I hope you do. Let's keep that there, but let's have a backup yeah. plan. That's, and so yes, just by, yeah. Having the backup plan gives them a chance to digest it. And if that doesn't happen, they're still going to be a great doctor. They're still super smart. It's just you start directing them in a, or guiding them along for a plan B. And that's what we don't do. And we don't do that in education. It's like, no. I'm only doing this or nothing else. And it, that's not how it really works. No, I, I love that. Because um, you're not shutting them down completely. You're saying, what's the backup yeah. plan? Uh, similar. And, and you know about my innovation class, but I literally had this conversation today where I'm, I've had, I've got a couple of kids that wait around for perfect. And I'm like, yeah. buddy, I'm wanting <laughs> place bets everywhere. I'm like, the kids give me a weird look when I'm like, I like quitters. <laughs> I like trying things and of like, you know, cause I've had several kids, like I really want to be into this and they get in two weeks into it and they realize that it's not for them. And then they, you know, well, Monica Duckworth says I should have grit. Well, you should have grit for things that you really want to pursue. If you right. know fundamentally you hate it, stop. stop it. And, yes. and there's no stop. better time. Right. So, 
that that's that's my only that'd be my only feedback is like you're you're giving them alternatives you're just not telling them to stop they're into medical awesome but you're giving them like hey let's think about anesthesiologist right. not you know OBGYN kind of thing right right and here's here's some of the other things this is just me kind of just talking I find that sometimes the students that get the 4.0s in the college are not the good doctors and the reason is they don't know when to stop I think that I think your analogy was spot on they they're so used to being able to do it that they can't quit and when it when it they kind of hit a wall because you know all of a sudden they get a b or a c and they completely melt where the student that's a three five gpa or you know gets a couple b's but did sports and and or drama or band or something they know how to adapt when things don't go their way like a, like a singer if you sing off key all right you learn how to fix it and sing on key those are the students those are the doctors you want because they're going to realize if it doesn't work, all of, us, all of us are different. All of the patients are different. And what works for you might not work for me. So my doctor yeah. has to learn how to adapt. And we don't teach that skill set. We don't teach that. us how to do it. And, and that's what we really are trying to re- resolve. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that because you're, you're right. Like, and again, I'm not throwing stones at some of the, <laughs> some of the people I've known in my life. Because, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, unfortunately, as a youngster, I had some medical problems uh, here and there. And sometimes my doctors were, they weren't, yeah, I, I talked to the nurses. Um, but, but like, they, they weren't necessarily relatable. And, and as a kid, um, it felt a little scary. And so, like, I, I know what you mean. Like, a person that has a little bit of background, they're serving a population, they might be, you know, more helpful. And, and I dig that. And quite frankly, if they do hit a wall, or they do, you know, have some problems, then they also don't just shut it down that they they, they have a little bit of that resiliency. So I love, love that. Yeah. So how, how, how do we take some of these insights? Oh, so first of all, I, I, dig, I dig it that you're, and here's where I become again, devil's advocate. Here's I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of a jerk today, right? So yeah, yeah. you're working with the best, right? Even though they may not be identified for Stanford, whatever, you're, you're working with top stuff. So yeah. how can we take some of these insights, some of these practices and gear them towards what I usually stereotypically, unbelievably stereotypically call the eighth grade skateboarder, you know, the, the creative, <laughs> the creative, the, I don't like school, but I'm smart as heck. The risk taker, like, seriously, that, that always embodies skateboarders. I, the, Talk about mastery, autonomy, and purpose. They're yeah. going to master a kickflip. They want to be left alone. And skateboarding means something to them. So according to Daniel Pink, that master, autonomy, purpose is very important. Skateboarders rep- you know, really represent that. School, mm, tough. But, but, so how, but that, how do we use some of your practices for that eighth grade skateboarder? But, I mean, it's, when you say school, we always assume school means education or intelligence. Skateboarders have a, a, a level of intelligence that I don't Absolutely. have. And, yeah. and just the other day I was watching, I don't know if you watched this, but I was watching, uh, it was in Utah. And these bikers were going down the cliff and they were drive, riding down the cliff. It was, uh, oh, it was a Red Bull thing where they were, they were racing down the cliff and it was like 100 feet drops and over canyons. The risk taker that you just chatted about was was what was on TV was last night on on television, but they have a skill set that I don't have. Intelligence is more than just being able to read a book. 
and be able to regurgitate some information or play the game of school. Absolutely. Right. And so we need to recognize that more in our culture. And those kids could become good healthcare workers too. Those kids could become good coders. They could become great coaches. And what we need to be able to do is, is change the way we go about assessing these students. Not everyone needs to go to college. I mean, I I know that as a parent, I kind of shudder because Mike, I would never say that to my child, but the reality is not everyone needs to do that. The the need for plumbers and and electricians and joiners and and all these things are just as valuable. In fact, they probably earn more money than doctors now. And, And so we need to figure out a way to do that. And so when we do that, we have to start bringing analytics into our, our system. What does the student want to do? What drives their passion? That gets us down a pathway. And then we use analytics to help them kind of see, all right, what skills do you need to work on so you can get there? And, and right now, I mean, this is what drives me crazy on the analytics. Our analytics system in the entire U.S. for education is 90% in A, 80% of B, 70% of C. What the hell does that mean? Who came up with that scale? Why does that define six? Why does 90% define success for an A? We need to start changing the way we go about assessing these metrics. And the only way we can do that is if we collect data all the time and not just data on standardized tests. That's not what I'm talking about. Data on, you know, how does your, how, how creative are you? That should be part of your educational portfolio. How, how risk taking are you? How innovative are you? These things all need to be incorporated into those assessments and not just be able to read Shakespeare and quote it off on an exam. Totally agree. And, and I think that the, because now we're living in a, you can make money in that world. That's been very sudden. Yeah. I like, I, I point to like, I, we're really big on the esports world um, where I'm at. Um, <laughs> I, I, I remember uh, talking to some parents. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite things I ever brought up, we, we, we were among the first, actually, to my knowledge, in the U.S., we were the first esports team. We weren't a club. And some, some people gave me a hard time. And uh, I always remember this guy was like kind of making fun of esports. And I said, well, according to the numbers, it's huge. And, and it is. Esports is getting gigantic. And, um, and I said, well, it sold out Madison Square Garden last year in less right. than 30 minutes. And this guy, and this is my favorite quote, he goes, you mean to tell me people pay good money to sit on their butt to watch somebody play a game. (laughs) And I was like, lots of people. I was like, you'll you'll get the irony in three, two, one. And he's like, yes, like the Knicks. Um, That's right. That's not a good game. (laughs) Touche. Yeah. Yeah. That night, the the people were successful in matter square. But no, like there's been all of a sudden this new world of you can, and of course, I think too many students think that they could be the next YouTube all-star, but you know, YouTube streaming video right. game playing can be a career. So there, we're definitely starting to look at alternatives other than Dr. Lawyer, et cetera. Right. Um, but actually, I, on, the, on, that, on that, have you seen the, this is kind of off topic, but that drone, drone racing league. Oh, absolutely. Oh God, I love it. I, yes. I watch that all the time, right? So I'm the guy that sits on my butt watching that. I would go pay to watch that. Yes. I just, I want to be able like here and you know, it's coming is that they're going to have like, instead of you watching that, you're going to be able to choose which headset you watch. Cause those oh, guys that, that fly. So oh dude. I'm like, I don't know why it's not there yet, but I was like, I know it's gotta be soon. But yeah, all those guys wear headsets. Right. And the, the other part, funny part is 
did you see that most most of those places they're repurposing malls that are gone? Right. Yes. Yes. I got that. <laughs> so I, I actually I was kind watching of depressing. That Hashtag Amazon. So yeah. I, I don't know if your wife's like this, but my wife's gonna be mad that I said this. I was watching the the drone racing league. This is this is a week ago, and I, I had said before I even got the sentence out, she knew I was gonna say, "Oh, I should try to do that," and she's like, "No." <laughs> you can't buy any of those toys or do any of that stuff, you know, enough. You can't, yeah. because I, I love that stuff. I mean, that's I, what makes, that's exciting, right? Well, when you drive to Indianapolis, guess what I am getting Grant for Christmas, so. A drone? Oh, well, and, and a racing set and, and the headset too, because why not? That and full disclosure, I, I have a student of mine in my class and he's he's setting up a program to go into fifth grade classrooms and get them to learn not just how to fly drones, but also program them as well. Really? Oh yeah, it's cool. You, you know, in the Midwest, that's a big deal for like measuring farm heat and water oh, retention. Absolutely. I mean, it's big business. And, well, and so that's where that's where some of these really? games can really come into, yeah. yeah. Some of these wow. games can come into, into business. So these kids are getting a skill set that could be much more valuable than we realize right now. Yeah, I, 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 a couple of years ago, um, the school slash me <laughs> for the innovation class, I bought a DJI. Uh, I think it was a, I think it was a Phantom two or three at the time. Yeah. And then we ended up getting a Mavic. But I had a kid that was <laughs> making good money. He's like, you know, he'd he'd get a pass and go meet a realtor and in about 45 minutes, go make a couple hundred bucks by doing, right. you know, the HGTV shots. So, yeah. Yeah, the flyovers, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, we actually, some of the other technologies that come from that to bring it back into medicine is that virtual reality. Imagine, like you had just said about seeing what the, the, the flyer or the drone sees. Imagine if you could see what the surgeon sees, but you're in oh, Zimbabwe. Yeah. yeah. And, and now you can start training people globally with the high quality skills that we have here in the States, we can start bringing that, that asset, that teachable moment to the globe. And, and again, so you, the, the thing we take as the side, oh, it's drones, it's just kind of playful or it's a video game. Those things will have an impact globally that we're not thinking of just yet, but I, you can see it coming a yeah. mile away. Yeah, yeah. Well, David, I, I sincerely, one, I just, I love, the approach you guys are taking. I love the fact that you're getting it, especially just more diversity in, in the medical field um, because it's needed. Uh, helping out the doctor crisis, the doctor shortage crisis, as you very astutely point out. And just the fact that like, we're going to take some lessons here in the K-12. Um, I really think what you're doing is like, we seriously need to t start taking a look at, at some of this analytic approach to education. Just like, and sorry, we've already gone off the rails a couple of times, but I can't help it because we did, <laughs> we, we talked the same language. There was an episode like I, I, and you should never talk about another podcast on a podcast, but here I am. Um, <laughs> it's like talking like, and the color of the outfit I'm wearing right now is, um, but, uh, the, the, there was one of my favorite episodes of Freakonomics and those guys are the best. They're just the best, but they had the guy on from Pandora radio and uh -huh. you know, the Pandora radio guy goes, that should be education. He's like, you know, I, I know every listener, what their interests are, what the, you know, what, whether they like a call and response, whether they like heavy guitar solos, whether they like jazz. And he says, we cater everything to your strengths. And, and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then the Freakonomics guys were like, so they're making the point of, if education looked more like, you know, basically a learning algorithm of, of you know, right. 
yeah, that we'd be a better place. And, uh, and here we are with, you know, you guys doing that, learning strengths and weaknesses, saving them time, saving them money, getting right. them in the area that they may not know that they're better suited for, but as the data eventually shows that they are better. And of course, I'm assuming then you do a lot of post studies as well, correct? To see how yep. accurate you were from the beginning? Yep, you monitor them all the time. That's the whole point. You just keep, and that's what like Pandora does. They just keep getting data and data and data and you, you adjust as you move along. And as you get more data, the more accurate yeah. these analytics become. Really fine tune it. Yeah. Yep. I just, mm, mm, mm. Well, uh, if, if people want to know more, where do they find you? Where do they find uh, Tiber Health? All that good stuff. Yeah, just go to tiberhealth.com, see the webpage. You'll have some links to my, you know, some of my um, my TED Talk and, and things like that. And you'll be able to find all the stuff on Tiber Health, T-I-B-E-R health.com. Awesome. And uh, yeah, you can find uh, David also on LinkedIn. He's active there. Um, yeah, you've, you've been more than generous and you get back with people really quick. So if you have a question for him, please, please yeah. reach out. Well, this has been too fun. I uh, again, appreciate what you do for education, appreciate what you're doing for the healthcare industry. Uh, and I, I'm sure that our paths will cross here very soon. Hope so. I really hope so. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. Right, thanks, on. Dave. All right. Bye. Bye.